Hello and welcome to episode 274 of the VegGrow podcast. My name's Richard and I love to grow food in my allotment and garden. Today is the 3rd of April 2020. It's a Friday and as it's a Friday I've lined up a very special guest Joel and Joel is the inventor of a straw bale garden and he'll be coming up in just a moment. But firstly, what have I been up to today? Well, I don't mind admitting that today I've had a bit of a a downer day, a bit of a negative day. It was really hard to find motivation today. And as such, all I really ended up doing was sweeping around the garden and doing a bit of tidying up. So nothing really to talk about today, I'm afraid to say. One thing I did do today that might be of interest, however, was that I turned my compost material. These are my, a lot of my cuttings that have gone into the compost bins and oh, well, they filled up just this week with ivy. Well, once a week I like to give them a turn with a pitchfork just to mix up all the materials and it tends to rot down fast. I did, however, notice how hot those bins are becoming they are incredibly hot so i stuck my thermometer in there to see what temperature we get in and it looks like about 45 degrees c it is always so amazing how hot these things get it always blows me away anyway that's what i've been up to today what have you been up to yourself well joining me today from the usa is uh Skyped over into the podding shed is Joel, and Joel's here to talk about straw bale gardening. Welcome to the podcast, Joel. It's lovely to have you here. Hope everything's well over your neck of the woods. It's great to be with you, Richard. It's kind of a different time right now, but uh, I think we'll all make it through. Positive mental attitude, that's what I'm pushing at the moment. That's right. Now, um, you are here to talk to us about straw bale gardening, which I've, I've heard quite a bit about. But before we get into that, let's find out a bit about you and your background, where you started gardening. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm originally here. I'm from where I live now in Minnesota, here in the United <laughs> States. And I grew up on a little crop and dairy farm, uh, kind of in the southern part of the state of Minnesota. And uh, I went to university and got a degree in horticulture. And shortly after I graduated from university is when I sort of discovered this method of gardening, this straw bale gardening method. Um, but so I've lived basically in the same same place my whole life. I haven't uh, moved around a whole lot. Um, and I, with a background in agriculture, farming, and, and livestock production, that kind of stuff, I always thought about going back to the farm, but then, of course, you meet a girl, and it doesn't work <laughs> out that way, and you end up staying in the city. So I still live in a suburbs now of a, of a larger city called St. Paul or Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might know of Minneapolis more than St. Paul. But uh, And I, I love to garden. I'm married. I don't have any children, but I do have a golden retriever that hangs out in the garden with me. So... Um, but I, you know, that's about it about me. I, you know, not a whole lot else. I, I am an author and writer and I write for Quarto, which is actually Quarto Publishing is actually UK based. So okay. they have an office here in the United States um, and then they own a press called Cool Springs Press. And that's that's really who I write for. So. Excellent. Excellent. So um, how did you discover straw bale gardening? Well, um, as I mentioned, I grew up on a dairy farm. And when you're a young kid growing up on a crop and dairy farm, you spend a lot of time baling straw in the summer, 
straw, of course, is what's left over after the cereal grains are harvested like oats and wheat. Mm-hmm. And you harvest the, the seeds and those become wheaties and oatmeal. And then you and then you bale up the stalks and that's livestock bedding normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once in a while, we'd have a broken string on a bale. So we'd throw it against the barn and six months or a year would go by and that bale would get begin just natural decomposition and sure enough, the next summer, the biggest, tallest, healthiest, greenest thistles in the whole farm were the ones that would grow out of these bales that were laying by the barn. So I would notice this even as a little kid. Uh, it was always my job when the manure spreader came by to grab the pitchfork and fork those bales onto the manure spreader to haul them to the field and spread them out. And I would notice how it would even fall through the tines of the fork because this bale had broken down and become this beautiful media inside. So that kind of left an impression on me. And then I moved to the city and went to college, and then after I graduated from college, I, um, from a university, I bought a house. It was my first property that I ever owned, and I discovered shortly after I moved in that I didn't have very much topsoil. I only had about an inch of topsoil. It was over top of this construction fill that they had put in, so it really wasn't conducive to gardening at all, and a normal gardener would just build raised beds, but I had just graduated college, and I had just bought a house, so I didn't have money to build raised beds, but I did have this distinct memory of these bales that used to lay by the barn and grow thistles. So I thought if it grows thistles, it should also grow tomatoes and peppers because my degree in horticulture told me it takes about the same nutrient profile. So I started doing some experimenting and that was 29 years ago uh, when I did my first one. And uh, I discovered very quickly just you know, a month or two months into the season, that first year, that this worked really well. And then over the next few years, I sort of perfected the method of how to do it. But I always joke that for the first 14 years that I did this, nobody cared. Certainly no <laughs> podcasters called me back then. Uh, it was just me and a few friends and neighbors and some colleagues from the university that were kind of curious and interested. And then I got on TV and uh, the local NBC affiliate here in the States, they had me on TV one night and the next day, it seems like it just exploded and be, started to become this thing. And that was that was about 15 years ago now when that really started. And if you remember back 15 years, that was kind of the beginnings of social media. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, early days of Facebook and, you know, Twitter shortly, shortly after that. So uh, this has really become worldwide now. It's in 60 countries that we know of for sure, potentially more than that. And the books are now in 30 languages. So it's really become universal around the world where people are using this methodology. Not necessarily always oats and wheat straw because this will work with other media like, you know, grass, hay or baled sugar cane stalks or depends on where you are in the world. Whatever organic material you have, you can make a bale out of it and you can use this same method essentially uh, to grow a garden. There's so many advantages to gardening this way that I'm sure we'll talk about here, but... Oh, definitely. Um, that's how it got started. So, so you, it's kind of you found it by accident, I guess, is what you're saying. You, you well, I always tell people, yeah, necessity is the mother of invention. That's what yeah. the old saying is. And it was kind of one of those deals where I, I was desperate to have a vegetable garden and I didn't have money to build raised beds. And I just kind of, you know, I thought back to those days and those thistles and I'm thinking, you know, this this might work just for growing tomatoes or peppers. So I actually tried to do some research because I figured somebody had done this before. So but this was pre Google. You know, there was no Google 29 years ago. So I went to the library and I called some old professors from the university and I just couldn't get anywhere. Nobody had ever heard of it or nobody had ever tried it or done it. So 
I just decided to do some experiments myself. So that's how that's really how it came to be. Awesome, awesome. I mean, I love that that you just noticed that something grew better in this situation, and you use that later on in your life. That there's a lot that is, is said for noticing what does well and acting on that, rather yeah. than reading well, books and reading what they tell you does best. Right. Well, I'll tell you, Richard. Almost everybody's had the experience where. If you have a compost pile that, you know, something sprouted out of your compost pile, yeah. you know, sometimes like a pumpkin or something will sprout out of the compost pile. And it seems like it always grows really well. And that's kind of if you think about it, it's kind of what we're doing here is we're treating this bale sort of as a as a real small compost and uniform compost pile. So, yeah. um, you know, and one that we're not going to turn necessarily like we would a normal compost pile. But that's really what we're doing is composting this bale. Right, awesome. So uh, I guess really what what is um, compost bale? I'll start that again, sorry. So I guess really what, what we should get into is what is compost bale gardening? Sorry, compost. Right, yeah. Sorry, straw bale gardening. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's the illusion is that people think if they just, if they just looked over the fence and they looked at their neighbor's straw mm -hmm. bale garden, they might think, oh, I just go buy a bale and I plant a tomato in it mm -hmm. and it gets 14 feet tall, you know. But or three meters tall or whatever. Um, but the reality is, is you need to put the bale through this process. We call it conditioning. And really what that is, is it's, it's rapidly accelerating the decomposition process or the composting process inside the bale. And we do that by adding a source of food for the bacteria that are inside the bale. Now, this is a little bit, you know, it's hard to see because it's so small. All this is happening, you need a 400 power microscope to see any of this stuff happen. But inside this bale, what's gonna happen is we're gonna feed these microbes, these bacteria, a source of nitrogen, which is what they like to eat. And this, if you're doing it organically, this can be done with like blood meal, works really yeah. well, yeah. or feather meal, or any high nitrogen source um, of fertilizer. Or if you're not an organic gardener, you could just use lawn fertilizer, will work mm -hmm. well, turf, turf fertilizer. And then a little water and a bit of time. And over time, over about 10 to 12 days, this bale will get really hot during that time. And this is a signal to you that this bacteria is colonizing the inside of the bale. And as soon as they finish completely saturating the bale, you can feel it get hot. You can put your hand inside that bale and you can feel the temperature increase inside the bale. And then it'll cool down a little bit. As soon as it gets below your body temperature, then you can plant. So if it feels cool on your hand, it's cool enough that you can plant into that bale. Um, and at that point, it started to metabolize the straw. This bacteria has broken down the straw and it's it's broken the leaves and the stalks down into cells and the cells down into compounds and the compounds down into molecules. Uh, individual ions and cations, things that we would recognize like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, right? Yeah. And molybdenum, zinc, calcium, iron, manganese, all of these micro and macronutrients that a plant needs to absorb to create a new plant, you know, through the roots. So at the point where this metabolization has begun and this breaking down of the straw has begun by the bacteria, now you can plant into that bale. So you can't really see much of a change in mm -hmm. the bale by looking at it. Just looking over the fence, you wouldn't see a lot of change. But there's internally to that bale, there's a lot of micro activity that's happening you know development of microbes and 
this buildup, lots of insects and worms will grow inside there, mushrooms or fungi of different types, and then mold sometimes will grow on the bale. And all of these are nature's decomposers working on breaking this organic material down. And that's really what we want to encourage is for that rapid decomposition so that our bales are then prepared. And two weeks later, we can plant right into that bale. And it's amazing how the plants respond to that nice, warm environment inside the bale. Uh, plants that love warm roots, a warm root zone, all of our warm season crops like tomatoes and uh, cucumbers and peppers and things like that, they love the warmth. So you plant them in that bale and you'll get really quick early season root production, which gives you essentially a larger yield and, and earlier production. Awesome, awesome. So it sounds very, very simple to get it started. Then when we take our plant, are we just putting it straight into the straw bale? Yeah, you can do transplants, you know, if you buy or start seeds in, indoors and then transplant them as soon as the weather is nice, you can transplant out into the bale. You want to get that timing right so that the bale is prepared and you're ready to plant. Your weather is, is conducive at that point. Um, or you can do seeds, too. You know, right. if you do seeds, um, big seeds like peas and beans and things that are large seeds, you can just poke those right into the bale. Just take your finger and poke them down into the bale. And they'll stay in position because they're big enough seeds. But if you get real tiny seeds, you can't really seed those into the bale because the the top of the bale is too coarse, you know, too mm -hmm. rough. Yep. So you need to make a seed bed. And to make that seed bed, don't take a shovel of soil and put on top of the bale. Because if you did take a shovel of your soil, now you're bringing with that weed seeds mm -hmm. and disease and insect problems that could be soil-borne. We want to avoid those. So I want you to buy just one little bag of potting mix uh, from the store so it's clean and doesn't have any, you know, any kind of weed seeds or anything in it and use that to make a seed bed and then plant your carrot seeds or, you know, radish or whatever. Even if they're tiny seeds, you can seed into that seed bed and it'll keep them nice and moist until they have a chance to germinate. Um, and then the roots seek that heat down in the bale. So you'll see the roots shoot right down into that bale once they germinate. Um, but you do need to make a little seed bed from that standpoint. But that's one of the biggest advantages of the straw bale gardening method. Mm -hmm. And your people will discover this if they try it, is that you don't have to pull weeds. Wow. So it eliminates weeding in your vegetable garden, which is really a big plus for a lot of people. It's the number one thing that people comment on. In our like our social media, you know, on Facebook and all that kind of stuff, they'll say, "Oh my goodness, I should have discovered this 20 years ago because I've gone all summer and I've only pulled one weed or no weeds out of my whole garden." And it, and they're just amazed by the fact that there's no weeds. So. Great. So so it saves on weeding. What other advantages are there? Well, the fact that it warms up. That's yeah. a big one. You know, especially in cooler climates. I'm in a northern climate in Minnesota, so we're like. You know, we don't warm up until really mid-May. We can't plant anything outside until mid or late May. Um, and at that time, even, if we're planting a tomato, for instance, um, the the soil temperature is still cold. You know, the tomato really doesn't like that cold soil. It likes warm soil. So even if you planted it in early May, it's not really going to begin growing a lot until the end of May or the beginning of June. But when you have a warm bale with these warm root zone now you put a tomato in there and it it thinks it's already june so it starts growing really much more quickly and you'll get earlier flower set and you're always the first one with ripe tomatoes so that's a big advantage of, of this method is is that warmth another big one is that it's raised up off the ground 
you know, for anybody with any kind of physical limitations, it can be difficult bending over and getting all the way down on the ground level. And for some people, as, as you get older, you know, I'm even getting a little older at this point, become a, what I call a seasoned gardener, right? Um, it gets more and more difficult and it can become physically limiting to be able to garden uh, the traditional way. You know, it's a lot of work to turn soil and do mm -hmm. soil modification, that kind of stuff. And the great thing about strawberries is once they're set in place, you know, if you can get the delivery guy to set them in place for you, really there's no physical work after that. You don't even need any tools except really a pruning shear yeah. maybe and a, and a planting trowel. And that's really the only two tools you're going to need. So, um, you know, it, it really limits your your physical part of the gardening process because of that raised height. Anybody in a, in a wheelchair, you know, get a, use a wheelchair to get around or you can set a lawn chair right next to the bale and sit down to do your planting and stuff. That's a really big advantage. I have a lot of people in their 80s and believe it or not, even in their 90s that still garden in straw bales. Very common. So um, it allows them to extend their, their gardening life, their experience in the mm. garden. Great stuff. What about watering? Does it need more water, less water? Well, it's the amazing thing about straw is that its main function in agriculture, as I talked about earlier, is its bedding for livestock. And one of the reasons it works so well as bedding is because the stalks of the cereal grains like oats and wheat, the stalks, if you look at them, the stems are hollow. Mm -hmm. And that hollow stem holds air. So they make great bedding because when they lay down in it, it's like insulation around them. Um, as a matter of fact, in the really old days, they used to use straw as insulation when they built homes and things um, because of that air capacity, air holding capacity. Well, what also is unique about straw is that if you soak it, if you get it wet, it will absorb lots of moisture. So farmers love it because, you know, they'll put it in with their pigs or their cows and absorbs all the moisture, usually from urine, from the livestock. And then when it's fully saturated, then they can, can take a fork and haul it away. So it's like a diaper, really, for our livestock. And for our plants, this bale of straw will hold 10 liters, something like that, of water inside of a bale. And you can measure that easily by weighing it. You know, you yeah. can pick up the bale when it's dry and then wait till it's good and saturated and try and pick that bale up again. And you'll see it's really gained a lot of weight. And all the weight that it gains is going to be water weight. Wow. Um, so it holds on to all this water. Now you get roots of tiny, tiny little roots of new vegetable plants inside this bale. And they, those roots can crawl inside those hollow stems and they can draw that water out. So it's like a reservoir inside that bale. Now the outside edges of the bale, if you rubbed it with your hand, the outside edges, they kind of dry out because mm -hmm. the sun shines and the wind blows and it'll dry out the edges. But the inside of that bale stays nice and moist. And uh, the, the biggest, I'll tell you the biggest mistake, Richard, that new straw bale gardeners make yeah. is they overwater. It's right. very common that they overwater. And the reason they do is because one of the neat things about straw bales is if you do overwater, the excess water just runs out the bottom of the bale. Yeah. So you don't really ever flood the garden. You can't really flood it. You know, the excess yeah. just runs out the bottom. So they'll just turn on the spigot and the water for 30 minutes or whatever. And they don't think through, well, how much water am I putting on each bale? And you really only need two liters and that'll resaturate the bale. Wow. You know, maybe three liters and you'll get a nice good saturation. Um, and the, you do that once every other, once every third day in the spring and fall. But then midsummer when it starts to get hot, you might need to water two or three times a day. You know, if you've got yeah. really big tomatoes coming out of there. 
And but at the but the secret is not to water for longer, but to water for that same short duration. So you're only putting on a couple liters each time, but then water more frequently. So it's easy to do with a little hose end timer they sell nowadays. Yeah, you can actually get them get them that hook up to your phone, and that really drives you know. Then you're always monkeying around with it on the phone, but um, trying to get this get the uh, water just exactly right. But you can turn it on to water a couple times a day. Uh, that usually solves the problem, and you get really good garden performance that way. Especially wow. vegetables that are high water content, yeah. like tomatoes and cucumbers. You know things that have a lot of water, or even a plant like basil. If you're familiar yeah. with basil, the herb. It gets really big leaves because it's a high water user. Yeah. And normally in the soil, you know, it gets wet and dry and wet and dry. But in the bale, it's like this continuous supply of moisture, but yet it has air in the root zone, which is a very unique characteristic of the straw bales. Yeah, I mean, I think we sometimes forget how important air is in the soil for growing our plants as well. So one of the reasons we dig our soil, if you are... I mean, I'm a no digger, so I don't dig my soil, but people who dig their soil, the reason is to get some air in that soil. Yeah, compaction can be a big problem. And really, that's what compaction is, is it's removing air spaces. Mm. You know, if you if you walk across your garden too close to plants, um, you can compress the soil and it makes it hard for roots to grow through that soil. Or people that use a wheelbarrow through their garden, they'll compact the soil in certain areas. And that's the great thing about straw bales is nobody's ever going to walk on them or nobody's ever going to run a wheelbarrow over them. <laughs> so they, they always maintain that that openness, that air inside the bale. And even if it rains, you know, even if it rains all night long, by the middle of the next morning, those bales have quickly drained out that excess water and air comes back in. So it, it really is conducive for climates where you get lots of rain or not enough rain, you know, right. if it rains too much or, or not enough. We find a lot of use, and maybe we'll talk about this a little later, I do a lot of work in the third world countries like Cambodia and wow. the Philippines. And there they have certain seasons of the year where it's monsoon rains. You know, it rains all day long, every day. And that's the difficult part is they can't really grow crops. It's beautiful weather, except that it's raining all day. And the all the plants they put in the soil get root rot very quickly because the soil holds so much moisture because of all the rain. So unless you have a greenhouse or something that's covered, it's really hard to produce vegetables during the monsoon season. But what they've discovered is that with the straw bales, it drains so quickly that as soon as the rain stops for a few minutes, air comes back in and the, the vegetables will survive inside these straw bales. So using this technique, not necessarily with wheat straw or oat straw, they use mainly rice straw mm -hmm. over there, but they're able to grow vegetables even during the rainy season using this technique, which is very unheard of. And a lot of the universities over there, agriculture institutions are very interested in learning more about this because of that advantage. And it, and it works, which is great Get for it. those places. Yeah. yeah. Is there, what about root crops? Can they grow in this sort of way? Yeah, I'll tell you what works best is mm -hmm. to get a, when you get a new bale your first year, is to use that bale for your warm season crops. So things that like warm roots, you mm -hmm. know, as I mentioned, tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers and, you know, squash and melon, melon family works really well. And then use that same bale the bale will be kind of decomposed. It kind of starts to slump a little bit as it as it decomposes. But you can you can reconnoiter them. You can take two bales and kind of squish them into one. And then I like to wrap some chicken wire around them, just something to hold that that bale upright a little yeah. bit in position. And then I use that second year bale for all my root crops. 
I oh, will. Richard, you'll never, you'll never have better potatoes than out of a out of a struggle and easy, super easy to do. You don't have to dig anything. You know, at the end of the season, you just go and you pull the wire off around this sort of this bale that you've squished together and kick it over and your potatoes and your sweet potatoes and carrots and beets and things, they just fall right out because they're they're growing in this beautiful composted straw. Wow. So, yeah, it works great. <laughs> wow. And then the third the third season You'll come along in the following spring after you've used it that second year. The following spring, it'll be nicely decomposed, and it makes really great container mix at that point. So you could put it in your pots and things that you put plant flowers in out on the patio mm. or uh, next to the front door or whatever, your window boxes. You could use that as a, as a potting media. Now, it's not as good as a commercial potting me media because most of those commercial ones, they have, you know – things in them that will decompose slowly so that yeah. they maintain drainage and this straw doesn't do that this straw will decompose fairly fairly quickly so it it doesn't drain as well in a container after a couple years so you'll need to dump it out after a year or two and then fill it up with new stuff but you you create so much of it when you're a straw bale gardener you just have this unbelievable supply of compost available uh just keeps coming so um that's another great thing about straw bale gardening is it supplies lots of compost that you can use <laughs> in other other places in your garden great i mean this is really interesting i'm seriously thinking of trying it myself this year i've just had to look on prices for a, a straw bale and they're not that expensive they're only a, a few quid for one bale so yeah in terms of comparing it to a raised bed, that's a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah, and and if you compare, you know, if you build a raised bed, then you got to fill it up with something. Yeah, and you know, you get some compost or something, and if you have to pay for that, it's equal or more than the cost of the bales. And I encourage people if you do build a raised bed, you can straw bale garden in the raised bed, yeah. and then every year just put a new bale on top, and eventually your whole raised bed will be filled with this beautiful compost from the decomposed straw. And you'll have saved lots of weeding and, you know, <laughs> lots of things of getting started in that raised bed garden. But, yeah, it's a great uh, – raised beds are wonderful. Um, they're just – you know, you got an investment if you're going to build a raised bed, a good good size investment. Where with straw bales, you can move them around wherever you want if you don't want to garden in that spot. Or I even joke that if you need to move your garden halfway through the summer, this is the only method where you could do that. Yeah. You know, if you buy or buy or sell your property, I see lots of pictures where people will load their bales onto a pallet, wooden pallet, and then load the pallet in the back of the truck and haul their garden to their new property and then unload it and you move your garden across town or wherever. Uh, so it, it allows portability if you had to do that. We do every summer, we do a garden at our it's called the Minnesota State Fair. It's like a gathering, agricultural gathering, and we move a garden to the fair. And exhibit it, and then we move it back afterwards. Wow! So um, it does allow you that kind of portability. So yeah, I mean, I didn't even think of that. So, but that makes a lot of sense again. Um, is there anything that doesn't quite work for straw gardening? That yeah, found? there's a couple crops. Yeah, there's a few crops that we don't really recommend. I I encourage people not to try to grow sweet corn as a popular crop over here uh -huh. and. It just gets so big, you know, so tall and the roots are so big that it doesn't work very well. You maybe get two stalks of corn out of a bale and it's not economical and it, it just, it'll grow, but it's so tall that it tips over easily. Right. 
Um, the, the other crops that I don't encourage people to do are like permanently rooted crops like rhubarb or asparagus because they take a couple seasons just to get a good root established before you should really harvest anyway. Yeah. And if you do them in a bale and you have to wait three years to harvest, there's nothing left of the bale but a little hump of soil in your garden and that's about it. So um, I discourage people from doing things that are long-term or permanent type vegetables like those. Um, and, and there's a few crops that I haven't had super success with on a, on a consistent basis. One of those is onions. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they'll, they'll do okay, but it kind of, it's a cyclical thing. Some years they do really well and some years not. Now my gardeners in the Southern part of the United States, they love their onions that they produce in the, in the straw bales. But in our Northern climate here, I've had some struggles with onions. Um, and the, and then there's one herb that doesn't do well. Rosemary doesn't like um, straw bales, but all the other herbs seem to do really well, but rosemary is really the only one that doesn't like it. Um, otherwise pretty much everything that you would normally grow in a soil garden, you grow in a straw bale garden and it really does as well or better in the straw bales as it does in the, in the soil garden. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Now I guess, um, something I'm kind of thinking about is if I grow uh, plants in straw, does it change the flavor or the consistency that, of any fruit or anything? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. It's a common question that I get is, you know, if it, if you're not growing in soil, how how does it taste? Hmm. But the reality is, is if you think through the biology, the truth is we really are growing in soil hmm. because the bale is becoming soil. All good soil, like if you were to go to your backyard and, and dig up your soil, where did that soil come from? It came from decomposed organic material. At some point, there was something alive, a tree or a, you know, grass or something that decomposed. And that's what makes that layer of humus on the, on the top surface of many of the most rich, fertile places on Earth are lots of decomposed organic material. So really, that's all we're doing, Richard, is we're catching that soil before it looks like soil yeah. when it's just in that early decomposition stage. So it's really not going to taste any different. You know, you won't, you won't really taste any difference between it other than like your carrots. Um, if you eat them fresh in the garden, if you pull them out of the soil, they taste a little bit like soil. <laughs> but if you pull them out of the straw bales, they don't have all the dirt, all, you know, the, what normally looks like black soil all over the, the base of the carrot. Um, so you can just kind of brush the straw off and eat them right there. So, and they taste exactly the same. It's amazing. Oh, great stuff. Great stuff. Now, one question I always like to ask every single guest is, right. uh, do you have a favorite vegetable that you grow? Well, it has to be tomatoes. That's tomatoes. I had a feeling you were going to say I, that. I also really like eggplant. Yep. I don't know. Some people don't like eggplant, but it's one of my favorites. Yep. Um, and, and then I love the squash family, too. So that's my favorite uh, fall vegetable, I guess, fall yeah. harvest vegetable, um, our squash, butternut squash. And I love, uh, all the things that aren't good for you, the, <laughs> the vegetables that are starchy, right. That you shouldn't probably eat all the time, but I love them. Um, that I would say, but my most favorite is probably San Marzano tomato. I, mm-hmm. I grow a lot of those and I love, uh, Italian food so it's a base of a lot of red sauces is a roma tomato and i really like the san marzano which is a type of roma tomato a real meaty heavy tomato great great so if anybody wants to find out more where do they go 
I'm easy to find. Very easy. You can go to strawbellgardenclub.com um, or just strawbellgardens.com. Either of those. And if anybody ever has questions, I'm easy to reach. You know, they can email or or reach out, and I'm you know happy to answer questions and try to help people if they have any questions or problems, that kind of thing. So I'm a pretty easy guy to get a hold of. Great stuff, great stuff. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. I have to admit, I'm thinking about giving this a go myself now, talking to you. Yeah, just try a couple bales. That's all. And, you know, you don't have to convert your whole garden, but just try a couple bales. And I think usually what happens is people convince themselves and then uh, convert, end up converting much of their garden over to straw bales. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'll give it a go and I'll be back in touch to let you know how I get on. Well, that'd be great. Thanks great. for having me on, Richard. I really appreciate it. It's Thank great, you for joining me. Great to me. talk to the folk, folks over there in the UK. It's a great, great opportunity. So. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks a lot. Right, we'll cut there. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. That was really yeah. good. Yeah, that was terrific. Yeah, yeah. Well, well maybe someday if people are interested, we'll do it again. Oh, know? definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, there's there's more stuff we could talk about, you know, get into more of the science and that kind of stuff. Yeah. People might, people might be interested in. It's kind of another layer deep, but. Yeah. 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 See, I, I tend to try and keep things simple because yeah. I think people appreciate that a bit more. Right. But yeah. No, it's definitely, definitely enough to get going and interest people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I know I just looked this morning on Amazon UK and yep. they do have, um, Strawbell Gardens Complete and Strawbell Gardens Complete, the second edition, are both available in, in on Amazon in the UK. Yeah. So, you know, then they don't have to order them from the U, from the from here, no. from the US, and pay shipping. So yep. probably save money if people order them there. Yeah. I'll add links to those in the show notes so people sure. can buy them um, if they are interested, as well as to your website. Well, big thanks to Joel for taking time out of his day to talk to us about Strawbell Gardening. I am really intrigued to see if Strawbell Gardening would work in my garden, and it's something I'm certainly thinking about doing myself. If you've got any thoughts on Strawbell Gardening or you're going to give it a bash yourself, then please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me by email, richard at uk, or you can leave me a comment on the website at uk, or you can just find me on social, just search for The Veg Grower Podcast. But for today, thank you so much for listening as always. Please take care and I'll see you again next time. Thank you.